This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 109. I'm going to fight for love. Of the in-between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel M. And I'm Christina M. All right. Well, last week when we dropped what we were going to be talking about this week, we just kind of put it there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. We said the following week, we're going to be interviewing Rosie McKinney on what to do if your spouse is addicted to porn. And that is today's episode. What should we do if our spouse is addicted to porn? So before we jump into it, we just want to mention that if you have little ears around that you may not want to hear this conversation or there's other people where you don't want them to know that you're listening to this conversation, now is the time to press pause and to put your earbuds in. Yeah, it's surprising how huge of an industry and how rampant this is. Uh, porn, I mean, it's a billion dollar industry. Can you imagine? I can just imagining the zeros of that and what that entails right Mm -hmm. and it's a national epidemic that is man it's seeping into our homes and taking marriages captive Previously on episode 23, we interviewed Dr. Simon Shea about the question, uh, will porn ruin my marriage? And in that episode, we discussed the effects of porn, especially on our brains. But today we wanted to continue the discussion about uh, what do we do if our spouse is addicted to porn? And we had the privilege of interviewing Rosie McKinney about this very question. Rosie is a writer, speaker, and podcaster who 10 years ago entered the fight against her husband's porn addiction. Through her faithful and uncompromising stance and his repentance, counseling, and group work, their marriage is now gratefully porn-free. From the very beginning, Rosie has been bold and relentless about reaching other wives struggling with porn-invaded marriages. Rosie now is the founder of Fight for Love Ministries, the author of Fight for Love, her newest book about this subject, and she empowers women. Uh, This organization really empowers women with both the facts and the faith to fight against porn addiction and its effects on them, their spouses, and their families. So we know you're going to enjoy this episode, so let's listen in. Well, Rosie, thank you so much for joining us on the In Between podcast. We are thrilled to have you here and to be able to speak to you about such an important topic. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here today. So first of all, we just want to know what's the backstory behind the book that you wrote, Fight for Love? So if I'm totally honest with you, I was kind of waiting for someone else to write this book. <laughs> I, I was really happy writing fiction, um, but I was doing a ministry with my husband. We'd go out and we'd talk to churches about the dangers of pornography and raising awareness of how it might be affecting your marriage. And then using our own story, our own testimony of how we went through recovery and our marriage was transformed and my husband got free. And what we found after sort of, you know, 10 years of working with people and he retrained as a certified sexual addiction therapist, I ran groups for wives. The thing that we found was that um, by the time a couple reached out for help, their marriage was usually absolutely in crisis. Mm. Um, And we were, well, how do we speed up this process? How do we get to people 
before they're in crisis and encourage them to reach out sooner. So we, um, my husband would go off and talk to men's groups. And of course, people were very receptive in the meeting, but then no one really reached out. So then we thought, oh, we'll talk to parents. And maybe we can sort of go around the side and give them the information without it being too threatening. And then they'll reach out. And again, limited success. And I said, do you know what? Why don't I just go and talk to the women? Because you know, and I know that the majority of married men end up in your office with the footprint of their wife on their back. (laughs) That's the reality. It's the wife getting to that point, that point of desperation after years of pain of going, I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. Why don't I go and speak to the wives and say, you can be proactive now and save yourself years of pain and misery and you know thousands of dollars in therapy if you actually start putting those boundaries in now and saying you need to deal with it. So I went off and talked to the women's group and the response was phenomenal. And I was like, oh, I think we've hit on mm-hmm. something. I think this is what the problem is, why we've got 79% of guys in evangelical churches looking at porn you know, 55% of married men looking at porn, but only 7% of churches with a ministry. And I don't believe that's because churches are are unwilling to face this issue. And I don't believe it's because pastors um, refuse to, you know, put any money into resources. I think the problem is that people simply aren't coming forward. And uh, so putting all those pieces together and realizing people aren't coming forward, the wives are the ones who actually do make this happen, but the wives aren't coming forward for some reason. And so I thought I have to write the manual, the recruitment manual to um, empower and equip and encourage wives to stand up much earlier on when porn first becomes an issue and sort of give them the education and the tools and the faith and the facts for them to be able to stand up and say enough much, much sooner, which will hopefully get them both into recovery and set them on the right path. So that was my long answer to a short question. Oh, that's that's that, that gives so much context because uh, even if you just flip open to the inside cover of your book, there's a great explanation, right? I mean, the book says, uh, I mean, you wrote, Fight for Love is a biblical battle plan for wives seeking to take their marriage back from porn. Uh, in these pages, you'll discover the science behind why your husband struggles to stop watching porn, why the wrong marital advice will only make things worse, how to help your husband get free and stay free from porn, how to best protect your kids and yourself from porn, and, and what fighting against porn will do for you, your marriage, your family, and your faith. So, I mean, the fact is, this is an issue. And thank you so much for writing this book and writing it in such a way um, to this uh, to the wives, uh, because as as we're going to get into this podcast with kind of the backstory for you guys and with your ministry, uh, there's so much insight that you bring to the table. So how about we start there with perhaps some of the misconceptions that you've heard about porn addiction? Uh, what are some of those, and, and what is the truth? Great, because they are the reasons, those misconceptions are the reasons why wives are staying silent and hurting mm-hmm. for so long. So I'd say the biggest one is the idea that somehow his porn use is your fault, mm. that somehow, somehow I am responsible. If only I was uh, more attractive or more creative or more adventurous or less critical, um, then somehow he wouldn't feel the need to look at pornography. And it's just not true. And this is based on this false premise that somehow marital sex and pornography usage are interchangeable, that they're a substitute for one another. And it's simply, it's simply not true because um, 
people use pornography for the incredible um, chemical release that it produces. It's um, when you're addicted to to pornography, it's a process addiction, which is quite difficult to get your head around because, you know, you're not injecting something, you're not ingesting something, you're not smoking something. Mm -hmm. What you actually get addicted to is this chemical release that happens when you engage in that behavior, just like gambling. So um, just like a gambling addict, you wouldn't try and cure him by offering him a suitcase full of cash. (laughs) Because you know, because you understand that it's actually the, when he gambles, that's the thrill. That's what's happening. He's getting really, really, you know, uh, the dopamine and all those other crazy pleasure chemicals are being um, squirted into his brain as as he's doing the gambling. It's the same with pornography. And uh, what happens is that our reward circuitry has become hijacked by this uh, super normal stimulus of internet pornography. Um, so, uh, once we understand that we're not we're not competing, it's not apples and apples. It's like you trying to compete with cocaine. Mm. It's it actually, you know, they've done scans of the brain and the, the brain scan of a porn addict and a cocaine addict, they're lighting up in exactly the same ways. So you wouldn't try and compete with a um, cocaine addict by becoming the cocaine. You wouldn't say, well, do you know what, if I do it with you right. or perhaps if I make my own for you, that would do it. You go, actually, you've got to stop doing that. It's not good for you. It's not mm-hmm. good for us. I, you know, you can't do that anymore. Mm. That That's not going to work. That's not going to be healthy. It's much clearer, but somehow because it's um, to do with, uh, you know, sex, it's somehow, it's difficult to untangle that. But once you understand that this is a, um, the hijacking of the brain, it's a brain disease, it's much easier to sort of um, take, detach yourself. That's what I'm looking for. Detach yourself and realize that you cannot compete with it. And, you know, the sooner you stop trying, mm-hmm. the much better. So other misconceptions, I would say another big one is he wouldn't do it if he really loved me. Mm. If he really understood how much this hurts me and how much it grieves me and it pains me, then he'd stop. And this is um, because people don't understand that a condition that occurs with compulsive porn use is very similar to what happens in your brain when you have a head-on collision. It's called hypofrontality, which sounds very dramatic. And to some extent it is because it's impairing the functionality of your prefrontal cortex, Mm. which means it stops you from thinking logically, rationally. So even though someone might think, I really shouldn't do pornography again because I know my wife hates Mm -hmm. this and this really grieves her and actually I might lose my job and actually this is not a good idea to be doing this when I'm driving. Somehow um, their brains are not working properly. They've been hijacked by this, you know, by this process. And also the hyperfrontality has just stopped the connections from working properly. I'm I'm simplifying Mm -hmm. it. But uh, so they're not making, they're not thinking straight. So to think that if he loved me enough, then he'd stop is based on the premise that he's thinking straight and he's really not thinking straight. His brain's been hijacked. His neural pathways have been rewired to prefer porn over anything else. And this is why porn addicts kind of feel depressed with real life because nothing else is competing Mm -hmm. um, in the same way. So you've got porn basically, if I can put it in a nutshell, it makes you dumb. It makes you depressed. It makes you dissatisfied with your wife. So these misconceptions really do need to be unpacked because I want to stop people competing. I want to stop people ignoring it. And I want to stop people thinking that there's something they can do to control it. Like if I was better, Mm -hmm. if I was more graceful, if I was more forgiving, 
none of those strategies are going to work. Yeah. So, so if if I understand correctly, it, it, I mean, this isn't porn addiction. Isn't like being addicted to the beach or being addicted to vacation, vacation or yeah. eating chocolate or this. You're, I mean, you've really described it in uh, much more of a severe uh, tone. Yeah, and that's why they call it the new drug. And there's a brilliant organization that we'll probably get into called Fight the New Drug. It literally is a drug that is, you know, you're not buying, um, but it is being created inside your body. Mm. And we were never, we were never designed for internet pornography. Mm. I mean, yes, we are going to respond to sexual stimulus. That's how we're designed. But this evil of pornography, we were never designed for it. So it is completely hijacks our body in a way that with natural pleasures like food mm. and sex, there is a natural built off switch so that you you feel pleasure from it, but then there's an off switch. But with internet pornography, there is no off switch, mm. which is why people go on porn binges for days and days and days. Um, because what keeps the dopamine coming is something new, something novel, something mm-hmm. shocking. You sort of push the envelope because you build up tolerance. Um, and you know as well as I do that the internet will take you as deep and dark as you need to go. And this is why you know the pornography industry is getting weirder and darker, more violent, younger, mm. because there is a greater demand as people are becoming tolerant wow. and they're needing something more riskier, more taboo. So we really do need people to start standing up and saying, enough, let's sort this out now mm. because porn addiction is progressive. It escalates. And I don't want people to to, to freak out when they hear this because the good news is, and this is, I'm coming around to my third misconception, yeah is that everybody does it. A porn-free marriage is is just not possible. And that's not true. Mm. A porn-free marriage is totally possible. You just have to know how to fight. Mm. Because And people say, well, why aren't wives fighting anyway? And it's like, are you kidding me? They are fighting really hard already. They know it's a problem and they're fighting really hard, but they're fighting in the wrong way. As I say, they're trying to compete or forgive or be more graceful or be more sexual or be more adventurous. They're exhausting themselves. What they need to do is set those boundaries and set them as early as possible. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babylon, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Rosie, already I feel like we could just be done with the interview in the sense where (laughs) you have shed so much truth and grace into those dark places in the sense of uh, if, you know, in our podcast family, if you're listening and you're like, oh my goodness, I have tried all those things. I've tried to be sexier for my spouse. I've tried to watch porn because my spouse is begging me to, or, you know, you're, why are you um, so tight in the bedroom? Let's try all these different things 
things or, uh, you know, I feel so unloved. Why isn't my spouse stopping? Can they not see how much it hurts me? And I love, Rosie, and appreciate how you've already just been, you know what? Those are lies. Those are lies. We cannot believe those anymore. There is a different way. So, Rosie, we would really appreciate if you could help us in our podcast family. Let's start where um, a scenario perhaps where um, a wife's husband admits to his wife that he's addicted to porn and uh, really wants to help to break this addiction. He, he needs help. And how can she start that journey with him? So I'd say there are, there are three steps you can take. The first is educate yourself. Educate yourself as much as you can about what it is that you're dealing with, because that is going to ensure that not only are you taking a lot of the shame out of it and giving yourself confidence to come forward about this, but it will um, give you clarity on the best way to approach this and also what you're looking for in your support, mm. because there are very, you know, there are lots of well-meaning avenues of support out there, but you really do know somebody who knows what they're dealing with, who has experience of dealing with porn addiction, because it's it's like having an open bar in your head. You are going to need somebody with a very solid um, recovery record or you know, a strong support group or a proven pro- program. You can't do this on your own and you can't do it with someone who's just well-meaning, who is just going to love on you. You actually need somebody who will um, be the husband's surrogate prefrontal cortex. They will do the thinking for him until, you know, he. you can't think your way into right actions, but you can um, act your way into right thinking. So it is very much an, uh, an action-based recovery process. You take the actions of recovery, you make your calls, you are rigorously honest, and this is how you move forward. So you can't really... It, just think your way out of this. And that's where some people get stuck. They think, well, if I just understand enough about this and I'm graceful enough, then then I'm going to be able to pull myself out of the swamp. Recovery is a team sport. We need each other. You know, we are told to walk in the light, you know, as he is in the light. Then we have fellowship with one another. It's about walking in the light with each other because porn addiction is at its heart, an intimacy disorder. Mm. It's not about porn. It's about it's about the fact that we've never fully been authentic and connected with anybody. You know, right. certainly not our spouse, but maybe not with anybody. So the way out of this thing is to um, start building those true, authentic, vulnerable, honest relationships with other people, and that's what breaks the stranglehold of addiction. You know. Anyway, I went off no, topic. No, your um, your yeah, question. So your question was. <laughs> What do we yeah. do? So first of all, get ed- get educated. And I've got a couple of suggestions here. Go to fight the new drug. Well, first of all, you could check out our podcast because we have a podcast for wives, which is all those early questions that you ever want to know. You know, why does he keep mm. doing this? Will I ever trust him again? What does recovery look like? Why do I need a group? All those questions, you know, should we make porn together? Why hasn't he touched me for a year? All those, you know, all those right. questions. So you could check out our podcast, but also some of these organizations like Fight the New Drug, they have a brilliant three-part documentary series. They're very short documentary, I think like 30 minutes mm. each. They're called Brain, Heart, and World. And basically, they educate you in an hour and a half. And it's very uplifting. It's not scary. It tells you, it it, it, it frames it all in where do you want to go in your life? What do you want to mm. do? And this is something that you can watch with your teens okay. as well. Um, and it's saying that 
pornography is going to get in the way of you achieving what you want to achieve. It's going to get in the way of you fulfilling your potential. And there is hope. They have real stories from real people, all the sort of global experts. They've got them chipping in and giving their two cents. It's really accessible um, and really uplifting. So that's a good suggestion. Um, Your brain on porn, if you really want to dive into some of the science behind it and reassure yourself that it's all true, Mm. you know, porn really is bad because... Even I, when I look around the world and I look at the messages that are coming in, you know, porn's harmless, porn's beneficial, porn's empowering and liberating and beneficial to relationships. And it's like, hang on a minute, either they're wrong or I'm wrong. Who, who's wrong here? Um, so I go back to your brain on porn and they have hundreds of research studies and explanatory videos and stuff um, that just recalibrate me when I start to wobble and listen to the lies of the world who are telling me that porn's actually, it's not, it's not only harmless, but it's actually healthy. And it's just mm-hmm. not true. There isn't one study that has proven that it's in any way beneficial to anybody. Um, so get educated. Yeah. Um, second step, I would say get support. This really is a team sport. You are going to need to um, walk this journey with others. And for wives, mm-hmm. when you get in a room or you are on a Zoom call with a load of other wives, suddenly you look at them and you go, you're attractive, you're normal. Mm. What's wrong with your husband? (laughs) You you really do. You know, you're intelligent, you're funny, you're smart, you're beautiful. And then, because it's hard to see that in yourself, you know, we all struggle Mm -hmm. with that. But to see it in other people, you go, okay, there is something going on with these guys' brains because there is absolutely nothing wrong with these women. And that really does just break something off you. So that's just, that's one benefit from getting into the groups, but also to walk this journey, you're going to be learning stuff that might be challenging. Like how do you set those boundaries when you've had your boundaries sort of trump, you know, stamped on for years and you've, you know, always had trouble with them or the the trouble is with porn addiction. Yes. The betrayal is devastating, but it's also the deception the Hmm. deception that really devastates wives and takes a long time to recover from. Because of course they're addicted. They're protecting their supply. They're doing anything they can to cover their tracks, lie about it. It's just what happens with an addiction. But it's so, so devastating with sex addiction because it just goes straight to the heart of the woman that not only have you been betraying me, but you've been lying Mm -hmm. about it. So this is why you need the support. And so, you know, get grab that oxygen mask and put it on yourself. Mm as soon as you can. And the third step is you need to reach out. You need to reach out for professional help. On our website, we've got a link uh, to a national database of certified sexual addictions therapists. So you can find somebody locally. And there's also resources um, which are sort of church-based as well. So all the resources are there, but please, please reach out to somebody experienced and qualified. So educate, support, reach out. Wonderful. That Those are really good steps for all our podcast family to be able to know where to start. Now, I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into something that you were saying, because we've talked about boundaries before on our podcast, but never in the dimension of porn. So when you're saying setting boundaries, I know that's a huge, and you, and you address it in your book as well, but if you can maybe just unpack that a little bit more for those who are like, what? Boundaries? What does that have to do with? with porn usage in the home or even sex? Like um, if you can just unpack that for us. Yeah, great, great question. The only effective way to deal with pornography if it's an issue in your marriage is to take a stance of zero tolerance and the sooner you can, the better. 
And if you do this early enough, when the damage is not as great as it will Mm -hmm. be, you know, after 10 years of dealing with this, you can say, look, I love you and I love our marriage too much to let this destroy what we have. So you can have pornography or you can have me, but you can't have both. And that's not, you know, doing a threat of divorce, but it's saying, I can't allow pornography to pollute what we have. So if you're going to do that, there are going to be natural consequences because I can't be emotionally close to you, maybe spiritually Mm -hmm. close, sexually close. You draw the line in the sand. I can't continue as though nothing is happening. You know, the natural consequences are you are driving a wedge between Mm -hmm. us when you continue to do this behavior. So if you continue to do that, I will be pursuing, I will be enforcing my consequences. And when you get into recovery, this is where a safety plan comes in. And a safety plan isn't about controlling his behavior because you can't control anybody's Mm -hmm. behavior. But what it does is it enables you to think about what you're going to need beforehand when things are calm, what you're going to need if he does look at porn again. So are you going to need a him to sleep in another room? Are you going to need him to leave the house? What what do you need to feel safe that's going to give you that maybe physical or emotional or mental space for you to process what, which is effectively another betrayal, you know, another deception? And also put things in there in, in the safety plan about you if you do have a slip, and slips are part not 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 part, but they are often a part of mm-hmm. recovery because you know recovery isn't a straight line. But the important thing about a slip is that the guy has to confess it within a certain time period, so maybe twelve mm-hmm. hours, because that's what's making the difference. He might not have control over lust, over acting out, but there he does have control over confessing mm-hmm. it. And he also, if I'm being truly honest, he does have a a control over acting out because he can always pick up the phone and talk to one of his support partners beforehand. You know, he doesn't have to listen to what they say, but he, you know, he can pick up the phone beforehand and afterwards. Mm -hmm. He can just walk in the light because walking in the light is what breaks this thing. It's about being honest. So even if you do slip up and he does, he does mess up, you're still making forward momentum. You are still moving in the right direction because he is confessing and that's getting rid of that deception piece. And that's what will enable you to trust his actions Mm -hmm. over time and start building that trust and be able for you to reconcile again. So those are the sort of boundaries I'm talking about. First of all, you need that firm line in the sand. Like I am not going to ignore this issue of pornography in our marriage anymore. If you're not going to reach out for help because you don't want to, or you don't feel able to, I am going to reach out for help for myself and get into a support Mm -hmm. group because it's affecting me. Whether you acknowledge that or not, it is affecting me and I need support for myself and the family. So Rosie, I think that was such a wonderful explanation of the boundaries that we um, can be putting into our family and to our marriage. And I appreciate how you were saying that we need to do this before it happens, not during it, so that you need to have an action plan. Um, As I'm listening, I'm just picturing you know, sending uh, a spouse to another room because that was the action plan, but that there are kids in the family, there are kids in the home, and they mm-hmm. might be wondering, why are mommy and daddy like sleeping in different bedrooms? What is this tension? How does that work in a family dynamic when one spouse is addicted to porn? Is that, you know, let's say there's younger children involved. Is it something that is supposed to be talked about? Like, well, if if daddy watches porn, he has to go into the other room. Like, can you help us a little bit? Give us more of a picture of how that yeah. works practically. Yeah. And that's a really good point because here's the thing. 
if pornography usage is going on in the house, it is creating tension and marital mm-hmm. disharmony. And the kids are picking up on that, but they've got no idea what it's all about. So you have to tell them something. You have to tell them that mummy and daddy are just having a few problems, but we, but it's nothing to do with you. It's absolutely nothing to do with you. This is little ones, mm-hmm. you know, and we're working it out and we're going to be fine and we're taking steps and we're getting help and we're going to be fine. Um, the older ones, this is a great opportunity for you to actually be vulnerable and honest about your own struggles because statistically your kids are going to be facing this, mm-hmm. you know, at least exposed to it. And the more honest you can be about the fact that, you know, we're not all perfect, but we have a choice whether or not to face our issues and work on them and work through them and be open about them, I think is one of the best gifts you can ever give your kids. You know, we don't have to be perfect for our kids and our kids need to see that we're not perfect, but they also need to see that we're able to take care of things and that sometimes we need help. And in my experience, the the families who've been through this with older kids those kids are amazing. They're mm. actually little activists okay. now. They're little, they go out with their, you know, <laughs> porn kills love t-shirts right. and they're out there, because, you know, and even one of them enabled their children to come forward and confess their own oh, wow. struggles. Mm-hmm. You know, one, one 10 year old little boy came forward and confessed his own struggles. And as heartbreaking as it was for the mother, what a gift right. to that kid that he could come forward and confess it because his dad never had that opportunity. There was no one there for him. Mm. So, you know, there are many silver linings. We we often talk on our podcast about this being a gift, like it's a really weird Mm. gift, but um, it's actually a gift because there are so many benefits. It's not just about working towards a marriage that you already had minus the pornography. It's about getting something completely Mm. new, something based on a level of authenticity and trust and vulnerability that you never had before, that you probably didn't even no existed because you're going to be known both of you known and loved like you've never been known and loved before and what what a gift to be able to have that atmosphere in the house for your kids yeah that's so that's so helpful um on that note and in and around the boundaries and even those three steps of um getting educated getting in community and getting help so um, for the wives that are listening in and uh, they're like, yes, my husband uh, does have an addiction to porn. In addition to what you've already said, which is incredible, uh, what are some other practical things that maybe they can start doing this week uh, to help their husband battle his addiction? I would say before you decide to have that conversation where you put your boundaries down is start educating yourself. And I'd do that. I'd listen to the podcast and I'd read the book and possibly join our Facebook support group, which has got wives joining in droves every Mm. week, because it's really hard to do this on your Mm. own. It's, and it's really hard to do this proactively. It's not as hard to do it when you've been dealing with this for 10, 20 years and you're just on your knees and you're just like, make the pain stop. I can't do this anymore. But to do this at the beginning where things are okay-ish, but there's just this porn piece that you think it's not helping. You kind of feel on a gut level it's mm-hmm. not helping. You know, mate, I mean, things are going to be a bit weird in the bedroom one way or another. He's either going to be hypersexual or he's going to be sexually avoidant. And many wives don't realize that. They think, well, he, how can he be looking at porn? He's not touched me for, you know, years. But 50% of guys become sexually avoidant. And so the, the wives just assume it's them mm. and they just, you know, just internally shrivel up and mm-hmm. die. It's, it's absolutely soul destroying. Um, so 
All that to say, join the support yeah. group. Realize that it's not you. You're not alone. There is hope. There is help. And there are people there who are going to cheer you on when you do that um, brave thing of saying, we're going to tackle this now. Yeah. I know you don't want to, and it's scary. And just say, look, this is not your fault. This is not my fault. This is the porn, right. and we're going to tackle it together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so so then, Rosie, what if the roles are reversed? Then, uh, what if the wife is addicted to porn? Um, are there steps? Are the steps to recovery the same? Yeah, absolutely the same. But I would also like to highlight some ministries which uh, are going to help you because there's that added layer of shame about coming forward if you're a woman who struggles with mm-hmm. this. Even though women are the fastest growing user group, there's still this added problem of, you know, good girls don't do porn. Like it's some sort of moral judgment, not understanding that our brains react in exactly the same mm-hmm. way. We are just as susceptible to becoming addicted to this stuff. And it's not to do with, we're really, we want to imitate what's going on. It's just that it's producing this chemical high in our brain that's switching off our ability to think straight so the, the uh, organizations I'd like to signpost people to are there's one called Beggar's Daughter, okay. there's one called Dirty Girls Ministry, and there's also Bethesda Workshops. I really recommend you go on, find those ministries, read their blogs, because you need to be with people who get right. it. They're the ones who are going to break the shame and normalize it for you. You need to be with other people who really understand that that's going to be more powerful than anything else and, and help you stop feeling so alone and so hopeless. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know, Rosie, if there are men's specific groups for those who have their wives addicted to porn and they are not themselves? Is there like a men's support group for that as well that you know of? That's a great question. And I don't, but I'm, I'm going to go away and, and have a look at that. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. No. I was just wondering. I I mean, I don't know. I've never heard of it myself. I'm just wondering if uh if there's something out there where really truly the roles are reversed and the men are like, uh, I just feel like I'm sort of on an island. This is the this is not usually yeah. how it is. So um yeah. Yeah, I know I know my husband's run groups for um guys who've been betrayed uh, for husbands, yeah. wives who've had an affair. Right. Um but not specifically for addicts but that's because if he normally sends female addicts onto a female csat so so i don't but that's a really great question and i'm certainly one that i'm going to go and investigate because they should be the same and it'll be (laughs) like if we find something we will let you know podcast family don't worry (laughs) yeah if there is definitely something out there we will let you know and perhaps you're listening and you're like you know what actually uh maybe maybe you're a guy and you're like I'm going to start one. So this may be, this may be yeah. the sign for you too. Exactly. Who knows? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now we've yeah. uh, unfortunately come to the end of our time together on this topic, but podcast family, what's amazing is uh, Rosie has so generously um, been willing to come back next episode. And what we're going to be talking about on the next episode is how to porn proof our kids. So uh, you're not going to want to miss that. Um, yeah. So thanks Rosie so much for being on with us for this episode and we can't wait to talk to you again for next time all right well what i'm excited about is that rosie's going to be coming back next time to do another episode next week yeah yeah for sure so we hope as you've listened to this episode that you just feel empowered that you feel encouraged that you feel filled with hope in a sense where maybe you started the episode and you didn't know what to do but by the end you feel like you can take the next right step 
So for all the resources and links that Rosie mentioned, go to inbetween.org slash episode 109. And if someone came to mind, perhaps your spouse, perhaps your friends, maybe you're part of a Facebook group like I am, where sometimes I think about maybe once every two weeks, a woman reaches out and says, hey, my husband's addicted to porn. I have no idea what to do. Maybe you can just text them this episode, inbetween.org slash episode 109, and they too can have extra tools in their tool belt to be able to fight against this porn addiction. All right. Well, next week, we're going to continue our discussion with Rosie on how to porn-proof our kids. So we'll catch you next week. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.